Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on April 21st, 2020. Hello everyone, this is Shannon and I am here of course to talk with you about this week's new releases and there are a bunch of them. But before we do that, I am really excited for you all to hear the interview that I did last week with author Jenny McFarland and her debut novel which is The House of Deep Water comes out this week and I was lucky enough to sit down and chat with her about her novel and what it was like to write the novel, what she enjoys reading, just all kinds of things. So I hope you all enjoy the interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. So as always, I have the usual housekeeping information, and then we'll move right into the interview. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Jenny McFarland. And we are going to talk about her debut novel entitled The House of Deep Water. So, Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. You are very welcome. So, can we start by giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to The House of Deep Water? Sure. Um, So, this book is about... um, Three women, uh, the main, main character is Bess, and she returns to the small town of Riverbend, uh, where she grew up um, and moves back in with her father amid financial trouble. Um, And she gets there and she finds that he has a live-in girlfriend who is Linda, um, a girl that she babysat in high school. Um, And she also moves back right around the time that their neighbor has been arrested for just horrible crimes um, that Beth was uh, one of the victims growing up. Um, So it's a lot about um, homecomings and, um, you know, reconciling your past and facing um, trauma and things like that. Oh, and I didn't mention the the third woman is uh, Paula. So Beth, Linda, and Paula have all just moved back to, to Riverbend. So let's talk about Riverbend because it is set um, in Michigan, which is actually where I live. So I thought that was very, very cool. Uh, um, Do you have any kind of inspiration for that town? Like, is it based on an actual place? Um, I borrowed a bit from the town where I grew up, uh, but it's, it's its own fictionalized town. 
Um, but yeah, it's a lot of the places that are featured in Riverbend, like the Hudson House Bar, um, oh. are based on places that actually existed in my hometown. Okay. So as you were sitting down to write this, did you kind of know all of the things that were going to happen? Like, could you envision the novel from start to finish or did things sort of evolve for you over time? No, they definitely evolved. Um, I'm not the kind of person who sits down with an outline um, and writes that way. I really start with like character sketches. Um, so I, you know, had a lot of like little scenes. A lot of them didn't make, you know, make it into the final book, but um, some of them did. So like little scenes with Linda is actually how the book started with Linda and her sisters. Um, and then somewhere along the line, I don't know, Beth kind of took over the story um, to become really like the main focus of my, of my three women. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I liked best about this book as I read it um, to prepare for the interview is the way in which relationships kind of move the story forward. Like you definitely have, you know, something's happening in the plot, but I didn't read this and think like, oh, you know, this is more of like a, a page turner, a plot driven novel. It felt to me kind of a little quieter, a little introspective and really focused on the relationships and kind of the characters own personal journeys. Did you find it difficult to write something that sort of relied so much on being in people's heads rather than on sort of on page action? Uh, no, I'm, I think I'm the kind of person who I spend a lot of time in other people's heads anyway. <laughs> like I'm always trying to figure out, um, you know, other people and they take a lot of them to do the things they do. Um, and so, and I think I'm also, I've been reading about um, people who are like considered highly sensitive or even empathic. Um, and I, I don't, I, I like the term empathic, like it makes me think of um, uh, Officer Troy on Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, I don't really think it's to that level, but I, I do think that I'm a person who, like, I, like, if I'm sitting next to somebody at a reading and the person sitting next to me is really nervous, I feel extra nervous because I kind of, um, like, their nervousness amplifies my own emotions. And so I feel like, oh. um, like, I, I spend way too much time in other people's heads already. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty natural for me. So, yeah, this was a very natural fit for you, it seems like. So what made you decide that this was going to be your first novel? Like, what were you doing um, before this? And, and what was your journey like? Yeah, so I started this when I was in grad school. Um, I, You know, when I started it, I wasn't like, this is it. This is my novel. I was, it was a class that we were reading several novels that were different styles. And um, the instructor, Robert Boswell, um, gave us these prompts. Um, you know, based on the different styles um, to write a beginning of a novel, the middle of a novel and the end, and then we could kind of fill in um, the rest later. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of writing these character sketches and I got fascinated by Linda and her sisters. Then when Beth made an appearance, I got fascinated by her. Um, so yeah. That is super awesome. I love that. Like, I like kind of the 
you know, like unintentional broadening of something that was just like a, a class assignment and then became so much more. I think that's really awesome. So did you always want to be a writer or were you thinking of pursuing a different career path before you started this? I wanted to do a million different things. So I um, started college wanting to be a music major um, and I went to Michigan State I tried out for their school of music and I didn't make it. Um, but I was also really interested at a time of, um, I was interested in cooking. Like I was obsessed with Great Chefs of America was on PBS back in the day before Food Network existed. And so I kind of got distracted and like wandered off to culinary school and did that for a while. And um, I also wanted to be a teacher, um, which I did a bit in, in grad school. Um, and I would do it again, but it's kind of, it's the sort of job that can take all of my energy um, if I let it and I have trouble uh -huh. not letting it. So I'm not sure that it's a good fit to do while writing. So I was a music major back when I was in college. Um, I went to Madonna University and they, I love that music um, was one of your interests. So awesome. how long would you say it how long would you say it took you um, to write this novel like, from start to finish? Um, it would have been five years, I think. Um, well, I guess more like closer to six when you consider like edits with my editor. Um, yeah. Uh, so do you have a favorite part of writing? Um, I really like the part where I've kind of established my characters, like I've done sketches and I know them and I can start to put them um, into scenes and see how they interact with one another. Uh, that's kind of my favorite. Like I, I'm not a huge, not hugely into editing, but I'm also like my next novel, I'm kind of in the very beginning phases and it's, it's rough going in the beginning. So yeah, the next step, favorite. What is your writing process? Like, do you have a word count that you try to achieve every day? Or what seems to be the best way for you to write? I try to sit down for at least an hour. Um, you know, lately it's been like 10 minutes, <laughs> like whatever gets oh. me in the chair. But um, yeah, I usually try to do a, a time, like a, a minimum time limit. Mm -hmm. And do you sort of in chronological order as you like come up with scenes, or then do you have to reorder what you've written and make it kind of into a cohesive novel? Oh yeah, I definitely have to reorder. Um, there was a lot of reordering with the House of Deepwater, and a lot of it, you know, I, I did a lot of reordering before I went on the agent search, and then um, I did a lot more after I got my editor. Um, she really helped kind of hammer out some of the um, timeline, timeline issues that my writing process sort of brings up. <laughs> mm -hmm. So can we talk about the title for a second? Because I think it's super intriguing. Like when I, even before I knew that I was going to talk to you, I was looking on Goodreads at things coming out and I thought, oh, like I really like that title. So what prompted you to choose this for your title? 
Yeah, um, the title was really kind of chosen um, with a lot of help from my editor and from her team. Um, the original title that I had for this was the Gaslight Village. Um, and I was kind of, I'm, I'm only really like the titles are hard for me. Um, mm-hmm. Those endings. But I, I was really attached, attached to that title. Um, and she thought that it sounded more like historical fiction. So we did a lot of, um, yeah, we had like lists that we went through and eliminated things that we didn't like. And then she ran some titles by her team. And yeah, we ended up settling with uh, the House of Deep Water, which I think is a really lovely image. It brings in the house and the water. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really, I liked it. I felt like it encapsulated, like, not so much the, like, the themes of the novel, but just a lot kind of about the setting. Um, And I didn't, you know, obviously know that before I read the book, but as I read it, the title was just kind of one of those things that felt like a really good fit. Um, And I would guess that, like, if I were to sit down and write something, that a title would be kind of difficult for me as well. So I can kind of empathize with that a little bit. Yeah, so we are having, I think, some internet trouble. Um, can you hear yeah. me okay, or are we kind of cutting in and out? Uh, it cuts out occasionally. We live in the country and have rural internet, <laughs> so it could be um, occasionally. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that... Because I can hear you really well, then occasionally it like slows down and makes it sound like I've um, cut you down to like half speed somehow. So, oh, oh. I, yeah, it, it's kind of different. <laughs> so, what is next for you? Like, I know you said you're working on something, but are you, um, do you write full time or do you have another job as well? Um, I write full time. Uh, and my next project is I'm working on, I like to call it food porn, um, but it's kind of um, like a dark romance. Uh, it's, it's loosely based on the family opera, which I was obsessed with growing up, but it's um, like a dark romance set in a country club kitchen um, between the executive chef and the pastry chef. So I am really sorry that one of my co-hostesses is not um, doing this interview with me because she is absolutely like addicted to anything even remotely similar to Phantom of the Opera. So she would be like, <laughs> me too. so delighted to hear this. Um, and I, I could see the two of you having a fantastic uh, discussion about all things Phantom. <laughs> so since I, I can envision this and since Stacy isn't here, I have to ask you, do you have a favorite kind of like phantom retelling? Um, yeah. So uh Phantom by Susan K. Uh mm-hmm. when I was I think I was fourteen when a librarian gave it to me and it was I wasn't much of a reader yet. Um, but it was the first time anybody had given me a book that was dark and um, really angsty. I was an angsty teenager. Um, And just, I I think it's classified as horror, um, which I haven't read a whole lot of horror, but I was obsessed with the story. And um, it had like the rotating 
point of view um, that I, I don't know, I'm, I really am interested in that. And um, it, it was just like, it, it brought out a lot of the darkness that I thought was kind of lurking beneath the surface in the musical, but it, it really brought it to the forefront for me. That's amazing. And there are so many um, really great ones that are out now. Like there's a Danielle L. Jensen book that is a little bit Phantom of the Opera. Um, there's also mm-hmm. the A.G. Howard book, um, the name of which is escaping me at the moment. But it is uh, set in a music school. And it mm-hmm. is like it has that kind of dark musical energy that Phantom had. I wish I could remember the title. It came out oh, I think, in 2016. Up. Yes, yes. I, I think you would uh, probably really like them. There's also one by Janelle uh, Angeles that's coming out. I think it's called Where Dreams Begin. And it's, it's um, like a fantasy kind of retelling of Phantom. So there's like so much great material out there. Yeah. I'm really fascinated, too, because the story is so dark. Um, Sorry? Oh, go ahead. Uh, Oh, uh, because the story is so dark and it's, you know, a lot of times, like, we we look at it or listen to it and we we view it as romance. Like, this is what we consider to be romantic. But it's it's really kind of messed up. Like, it's a really – it's a really – um, kind of abuse and that kind of it's, it's a really abusive relationship that they have like I'm fascinated in um, like why we tell these stories to ourselves why we why we tell ourselves that they're romantic and kind of interrogating that so I don't know if you read much romance but it seems like that's kind of a, a trend that we have like if you look at some of the um, like billionaire romances or some of the stuff that's by like Sylvia Day or Samantha Young like there's a lot of that kind of um I don't know like borderline sometimes more than borderline abusive even you know emotionally abusive novels that we view I think as as romantic and sexy and somehow uh like speak to I don't know if they're fantasies that people have but it seems to be a a trend these days. Yeah, and I, I've I used to read a lot of romance, um, and I have a friend who who still reads romance and writes a lot about it, and she's very active on Twitter. And I, I from her posts, I gather that there's definitely a fantasy aspect of like, you know, some people have these dark fantasies, and it's a safe way to explore them in fiction. But I also think mm-hmm. it's problematic that there are so many stories, and and not just that there are so many of them, but that it seems like the vast majority of stories, even in movies um, or television shows, the stories that we depict as romantic are so problematic. So I don't know. I'm really interested in that. Yeah. We um, talk about that sometimes here on the podcast, just like, you know, what makes something romantic and what is it about these things that like fulfills something in people. Yeah, I could see that. So what are your reading preferences? Like you've talked about, you know, not reading a lot of horror and reading 
some romance, but like what kind of things do you enjoy? Um, yeah, I don't know. I love family dramas. So any book that people tell me is about, you know, a large, large family and the drama that unfolds there. I love reading that. Um, I also seem to be really into these like, uh, sort of middle-aged ennui stories. Like, um, I'm thinking of like, uh, Tessa Hadley's Accidents in the Home. Is that what it was? I'm trying to find oh. it on my bookshelf here. Yeah. Um, just stories about, you know, life and discontent and the ways that people kind of um, fall apart when they're unhappy. So last year, I read Life and Other Inconveniences by Kristen Higgins. And Ooh. it does such a fantastic job of depicting, like, the good things about family, the kind of dysfunctional things about family. And she delves just so deeply into all of those relationships. So if you have not read it, um, that might be something to check out. Yeah, I'm writing that down right now. And it's awesome. Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-A-N. Oh, okay. So have you read anything fabulous lately you recommend to listeners? Um, yeah, the, the last novel that I finished was um, An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. It was so excellent. It was um, yes. the setup is kind of uh, uh, you know, black couple, but it's kind of a black love triangle you sort of realize pretty early on. Um, but like the husband uh, is wrongfully incarcerated and so um, just like the deterioration of this marriage in the wake of that. That was such a, a deeply moving and disturbing, disturbing novel. There were things that like I was reading and I had to kind of step away for a little while just to like let it sit and, and process some of the things that were happening. Yeah. So if listeners want to get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to do that? Like where do you hang out online? Um, I seem to be on Instagram more lately than other platforms, but I'm on um, Facebook and Twitter also. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I recently joined Instagram, and I like the simplicity of like, here's photos of my life, um, which is a nice nice way to experience the world. Mm -hmm. So, how can people find you on Instagram? Oh, uh, that's a good question. And I have it here. I never remember these things, but I have it written down as soon as my computer opens the file. Ah, uh, yes, technology. Okay, so on Instagram, I'm jeni.mcfarland. Uh, and if you oh, want okay. to find me on Twitter, I'm uh, at J-E-N-I -J underscore McFarland. And Facebook, I'm J-E-N-I dot McFarland. Perfect. Perfect. So one more question before we end. And this is, you know, more just sort of about current events. But how has the COVID-19 pandemic, like, affected um your kind of experience of your first novel coming out? Yeah, um, a lot. I was 
super jazzed to go on book tour and then I had to cancel um, and was really kind of depressed about that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also just uh, instead of, instead of book tour, I've been baking a lot of bread, (laughs) which is not a good substitute. Uh, Well, bread is fantastic. I love So are you doing like virtual um, book events then? Um, I have uh, one, I have a couple of live events, but mostly I'm doing interviews um, like this one. Well, that is awesome. So I want to thank you once again for taking time away from your bread baking and your writing to (laughs) chat with me this afternoon. Um, Your novel is so fantastic. I am excited for the world to get to know your characters. And you have, um, at the time of this recording, a week before it hits shelves. So I want to wish you good luck on your release day. And it was just really, really nice to get to chat with you today. Thank you. It was great talking with you too. Welcome. And now let's talk about new books. So this is a pretty great release week. Lots of thrillers, that I'm super excited about, um, some historical stuff as well. It's just very, very great. So as always, you know, this is not a comprehensive list. There's just no way that I could manage to talk about all of the books coming out on in any given week, but especially not one that is as full as this one. So I've chosen things that either caught my attention specifically, things that I know my co-hostesses have been looking forward to, or just things that I think would generally appeal to the listenership of the podcast. If there's something that you're super excited about and I haven't mentioned it, please let me know. And that will make it easier for me to curate these lists to fit what you're looking for. So the first two books that I'm going to talk about are books I've mentioned before um, on our most anticipated books of April episode. And the first one is The Silence of Bones by June Herr. And Brooke talked about this one. It's a historical thriller. And then I talked about Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier, which is a contemporary like domestic thriller. So I'm super excited about that. I read Jar of Hearts by her a couple of years ago and really loved it. So I'm very, very excited for this one. So I want to now move on to books that have not been previously talked about on the podcast. And the first one is one that I chose just because originally I loved the title. And then when I looked at the synopsis, I was like, wow, this looks really cool. So this is The Easy Part of Impossible by Sarah Tomp. And it is about a teenage girl who has been practicing and practicing to be on the Olympic diving team. And then she's injured. Something happens. I don't know what. And she's unable to dive. And so as she's kind of reevaluating her life and her purpose, she strikes up a friendship with a boy at school who is on the autism spectrum. And as they get to know each other, she starts to come to terms with this abusive relationship that she has been part of with the person who used to coach her in diving. 
So it looks like it'll be a pretty intense book, you know, not like a super feel-good, fun read, but it looks really, really important. And plus, as I said, the title is excellent. This is The Easy Part of Impossible, and it's by Sarah Tomp. We have another young adult novel that I think is super important and intriguing. This is Unscripted, and it's by Nicole Kronzer. It's about a teenage girl who goes to an improv comedy camp and kind of the toxic masculinity that exists in that culture. So again, this is Unscripted, and it is by Nicole Kronzer. I'm also really excited about this next book. This is Kept Animals by Kate Malikan, and it is one that's been getting a lot of buzz over the past few months leading up to its release. And it's about a group of families who live in Southern California, and there's this accident that occurs. And because of this accident, a bunch of lives are kind of turned upside down. But we focus mainly on the lives of three teenage girls and kind of these connections that they forge in unexpected ways. Um, this is a book that you'll love if you're a horse lover. So I'm very, very excited about this. The Horse Whisperer by Nicholas Evans is like one of my favorite books of all times, of all time, I should say. So I'm really excited about this one. It is Kept Animals, and it's by Kate Malikan. A little romance, anyone? So Julia Quinn, her Bridgerton series is so well known in Romance Land. Yeah, like they're making it into a Netflix show and there's just so much going on for the Bridgertons. But several years ago, Julia Quinn started writing Bridgerton prequels. It's a series called The Rokesbys. And the fourth one is out this week. So this is First Comes Scandal and it's Rokesbys number four. And these are kind of like the generation before the Bridgertons that we all know and love. Um, I've read a couple of these and I just, I love Quinn's writing so much. Her characters are charming and witty and there's just this really nice intelligent humor that comes through so well in the way that she tells her stories. So once again, this is First Comes Scandal and it's The Rokesby's Book Four by Julia Quinn. And now I have some dark romantic suspense. This is Big Ben. It's the first book in a series by Nana Malone. And the series is called See No Evil. So this is, as I said, it's a dark romantic suspense. So if you don't like dark books, you probably don't want to read this. And it's about a group of men who are called like the London Lords. And somehow they managed to do something very bad to the the hero and now he is looking for revenge and of course this woman gets caught up in this revenge plot as well um it kind of reminds me of something like the the georgia kate sin trilogy although that's just a guess like you know i haven't read this but it looks really intriguing especially if you enjoy dark romance so this once again is big ben See No Evil, book one, and it's by Nana Malone. So we have a new book by Alicia Rye this week, kind of sticking with my romance theme for a little bit here. Um, this is Girl Gone Viral, and it's the second book in her modern love series, The Right Swipe, which came out the end of last year, I think, 
was um, the first book. And it's gotten really great reviews. Um, I am ashamed to say that I have never read Alicia Rye, although I really want to. Um, and maybe this series will be a good place to start. So this is like contemporary romance about finding love and dating all like using social media, dating apps. It just looks very, very cool. So once again, it's Girl Gone Viral, Modern Love, Book 2 by Alicia Rye. Okay, I'm going to talk about some thrillers now, because thrillers make me happy always. So Janelle Brown, who wrote a book a few years ago called Watch Me Disappear, that a lot of people really, really loved. She has a new one out, and this is called Pretty Things. It's about two women. One is a grifter, and the other is an heiress. And apparently they are caught up in a scam. Now, scams are not great in real life, right? Like, that's just a bad thing. But I really enjoy reading books about con artists and scammers. I, I don't know why. There's something a little bit wrong with me, I think. So anyway, I'm very excited about this one. It is Pretty Things, and it is by Janelle Brown. Next up is the third novel by author Mary Torgeson. And I was lucky enough to read an early copy of The Closer You Get, and I really liked it. It's not, it's not the most original thriller you'll read this year. It's about two couples and one husband and one wife, who are not married to each other, decide that they are going to leave their respective partners and start a new life together. But of course, something goes very wrong. And Harry, who is the man who is going to leave his wife, never shows up. And so then we're watching Ruby try to figure out, like, why not? What happened to him? Um, did his wife, you know, find out that they were seeing each other? Did her husband find out? And it's just very, very twisty. Um, it does a couple of really unexpected, twisty things that made me happy. It's just a great, great book if you're looking for something to lose yourself in. So it is The Closer You Get, and it is by Mary Torgeson. We also have In Her Shadow by Kristen Miller. And yes, we do have a podcast presenter called Kristen Miller, but this is not the same person. So this is In Her Shadow, and I have heard so many great things about this book. This is about a woman who is pregnant, and then the wife of her married lover disappears, and she becomes really concerned about this. And it turns out that maybe she'll disappear too, if she's not really careful. So this, once again, is In Her Shadow, and it is by Kristen Miller. So if you were a reader probably, I don't know, 15 years ago maybe, you probably remember The Secret Life of Bees by Sue Monk Kidd. Well, she has a new book out. She's had books out since that one, but Secret Life of Bees is probably the one that she's most well-known for. So her new book is called The Book of Longing, and it is historical fiction about a girl named Anna who may or may not have been Jesus's wife. So I'm not a super religious person. I don't always enjoy religious books, but this whole concept really intrigues me and I love her writing so I'm very very excited once again this is the book of longing and it is by Sue Monk Kidd 
If you enjoy fantasy, you might be happy to know that there is a new series coming out from Mark Lawrence, and it's set in the same world as the like Red Sister, um, Book of the Ancestor kind of series that he wrote. So this one is The Girl in the Stars, and the series is called Book of the Ice. So it is about an outcast girl who has to fight with pretty much everything she has in order to survive. And I don't know much more than that, but if you enjoyed Red Sister, which is about... Um, a convent full of like nuns who are also assassins. You will probably want to check this one out. So it's The Girl in the Stars, Book of the Ice, book one, and it's by Mark Lawrence. Next up, we have some historical fiction. And this is Passage West. It's by Rishi Reddy. And this is a story set in California right around the time of World War I. And it's kind of a family saga. It follows a group of sharecroppers. And it's a part of American history that we don't really hear much about. Like we know kind of how World War II was and how people were affected, but we don't know so much about the day-to-day -day lives of those who lived through World War I. So I'm pretty excited about this one. It's Passage West and it is by Rishi Reddy. Next up is the new book from author Christina Dolcher. This is Masterclass. Dolcher wrote Vox a couple of years ago, which is kind of one of those feminist dystopian novels that people are comparing to like The Handmaid's Tale. So this one is in a similar vein, although with a totally different plot. This is set in a world where the future of, of a child is determined by this really carefully calculated score called a quotient. So what happens if your quotient isn't what people think it should be? And like, what choices do you have? What is your life like? Do you have any control over your quotient? I really enjoy dystopian novels. Um, I love apocalyptic novels. So I definitely want to check this out. Vox has been on my list of things to read for a very long time, and I just haven't done it. But that's more, as always, about me than about the book itself. So this, once again, is Christina Dolcher's Masterclass. We also have a new Sarah Beth Durst book, and this is young adult fantasy. Um, I'm not going to tell you much about it. It's called Race the Sands. It's a standalone novel. And I want you to think back to the book or the movie, whichever you prefer, National Velvet. And then I want you to add some monsters. And that's all you need to do. And you have Race the Sands. I love Sarah Beth Durst. She wrote um, a standalone novel about dragons a while ago called Fire and Heist. And it was all about these dragons, like trying to pull off this huge heist. I loved it. I also enjoyed her Renthea series. So this is a standalone that looks very, very fun. And once again, it is Race the Sands and it is by Sarah Beth Durst. And there is a really cool contemporary fiction novel out this week called If I Had Your Face by Francis Cha. And one of the things that intrigues me most is that it's set in contemporary Seoul. And I've read some things about Korea, but they're usually historical. 
Um, like I read The Calligrapher's Daughter by Eugenia Kim. I've also read The Kinship of Secrets by her. And they're not really set in kind of the, the Korea of today. So I was really intrigued by the idea of like this culture that I don't know very much about. And since I'm a reader, like one of the best ways to learn is to read a book about something, especially if it's like a well-researched, well-written book. So this is, like I said, If I Had Your Face, and it takes place in Korea, and it follows the lives of four women. So I definitely plan to read this very, very soon. Um, it's near the top of my sort of short list, which isn't really very short, but I like to call it that, of things that I will read um, in the near future. So this, once again, is If I Had Your Face, and it's by Francis Cha. And lastly, we have a supernatural thriller. This is You Let Me In. It's by Camilla Bruce. And it combines the domestic suspense of Gillian Flynn's sharp objects with the kind of supernatural elements of Neil Gaiman's The Ocean at the End of the Lane. So normally I'm a little bit skeptical of supernatural thrillers. Um, I don't know why. They've just never really been my favorite. But I've heard so many great things about You Let Me In that I just figure I need to give it a try. So I will set all of my reservations aside at some point and I will pick it up. And it's You Let Me In by Camilla Bruce. So that does it for me this week. As always, I want to... Thank you all for joining me today, and I hope that I have managed to help you find some things to read. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy, and I hope you enjoy not only this list of new books, but also the interview with Jenny McFarland. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.